1: You know, the quote, uh, Great Recession of a few years ago to different, you know, like the governmental clampdown here on, um, you know, on pharma. Those were all significant, right? I don't think I've personally uh, written an article that addressed what were some of the, like, just fundamental challenges that the industry is facing quite, quite like this one.
2: More and more, clients are requesting ramped-up rebates, longer net payment terms, consolidated monthly invoices, lightning-quick responsiveness, and even full integration with their enterprise resource planning software. The most universal issue, however, is rampant requests for rock-bottom pricing. The demands are often spurred by clients finding merchandise online and then insisting on match or better pricing for products and services that might not be a true, direct comparison to what the distributor is proposing in terms of product and service. That's a quote from our guest today, ASI's executive editor Chris Ruvo, in an article recently published in ASI's Counselor magazine entitled, Promo Plight, Distributors Feeling the Pressure. Chris is executive editor for ASI's Counselor magazine. Now in his sixth year with ASI, Ruvo's writings on issues that impact the promotional products industry have garnered numerous national awards, including a Neal Award, often called the Pulitzer Prize of B2B Publishing. Today's episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, an effortless business management platform that empowers you to process more orders and handle more business. For more information or to start your free trial, visit CommonSkew.com. So,
0: Chris, can you define the premise of the article for our audience listeners who have not yet had a chance to read it?
1: Sure. Um, so, the premise of the article is that we're in a business environment, and in, in before, both in the promotional products industry and, and outside of it, we have you know the internet, e-commerce, of course, that's disrupting uh, every industry. That disruption is the foundation, if you will of a number of pressures that uh, distributors are feeling from their clients. And we kind of wanted to explore um, what some of those issues are, kind of define those Um, talk about uh, just how they're affecting distributors, and then also offer a couple of solutions. So a few
0: weeks ago, Michelle Bell had written a a, a really interesting and I would say somewhat controversial article uh, called the, the, uh, I think it was called the Supplier Squeeze. And I'm curious if there Mm -hmm. was any pressure on your part, Chris, to write an article that may have provided a little bit more context and color as to why distributors are being so tough on suppliers and of course by shining a light on right, would, what distributors are having to deal with.
1: Yeah, I, I hear your question. It, no I wouldn't call it uh, pressure. What we wanted to we wanted to we I guess just explore more of the distributors uh, perspective. That initial article focused, as, as you know, pretty in- intensely on um, on the supplier side, and we felt that there is a, a much broader story to be told on the on the distributor side. As well. not broader than the supplier side, but but kind of a cumulative effect of the of the supplier and the distributor story. And we kind of thought that it needed two treatments.
0: Yeah, I just want to just ask one quick follow up, and then want to turn it over to Bobby. And, and maybe this is too early in the interview to ask this question, but it's still, I, I'm just so curious to ask it. Is of the- the three constituents, uh, supplier, distributor, and end user, who do you say is at the most amount of fault? Um, who is the most guilty in terms of creating the situation that we find ourselves in right now? Is it suppliers for being weak and not standing up to distributors? Is it distributors that are being weak and not standing up to end clients and potentially not showing the value that they bring to the table? Or is it end clients for just being bullies? and uh, by just sharpening their pencils and just grinding these uh, other parts of the of, of the supply chain?
1: From my perspective, it, it all starts with the end client yep. because I won't use the colorful uh, analogy that one distributor used for me, but it all involves with something rolling downhill. And it, it starts with the end clients essentially having more options than they've really ever had before at their fingertips because of the Internet. And they're empowered in a way that they've uh, never been before for, to, um, to for lack of a, a better term, kind of play distributors against each other. That's led them to place intense pressure on, on distributors. Distributors, I think, the good ones anyway, are doing what they can, service offerings through um, providing creative solutions, through technology solutions they're offering in some cases, to um, to kind of remove some of those pressures, if you will, but nonetheless, that they're still feeling that to an extent from clients and to remain profitable themselves in some cases, they're, they're passing some of that to suppliers. That's, that's probably not the, the best way to put it, but that's kind of the narrative in its
3: simplest form. So Chris, the article leads with a story about an oil industry company who was conducting a reverse auction. And by the way, it's a great lead line. It says the oil industry Mm -hmm. company was dangling a multi-million dollar carrot before distributor's eyes, but the promo firms were going to have to suffer the stick to get it. What -hmm. did you learn about reverse auctions as it relates to our industry? Yeah, I
1: I learned that they... uh they're not something you, you, you necessarily want to be a part of if you're if you're a distributor. Um, that that would be, I guess, the the first simple answer. Uh, number two is I, I learned that they're they're occurring more frequently with very large end clients. They're you know this is not you know you're the mom and pop business down the street who's having an online reverse auction. This is this is the large um, you know multi maybe even billion-dollar corporations right. that have. Um, huge spend on promotional products and there and, and it goes to what i said earlier they're kind of trying to play distributors off against e- each other sh- strictly on the on the basis of, of of price
3: were there details in that part of the story in the oil company rfp that didn't make it into the article due to time and word limit constraints
1: not really the distributor shared it with me um on uh, you know condition of anonymity right. and he did not know the the ultimate outcome but the, the, effectively what's in there is is what learned and, and, and kind of the most salient point and I'll share it with your listeners is that when the distributor came in with their initial bid for this for this to provide this suite of products, they they were at about a twenty five percent margin. Once the the underway and things got insane where everybody was just trying to lowball each other, they were had they continued to pursue it, they would have been at about eighteen percent below their their cost, which is pointless to do business, so I think that kind of highlights where these reverse auctions um, can go and how they can be, you know, so
3: detrimental to yeah. distributors. Did the distributor indicate what size of program this was in terms of gross sales revenue, or can you say?
1: Yeah, I I can I can give you a ball a ballpark. It was um it was lower seven figures.
0: You break out four main points in your article of of concern for distributors as it pertains to how it is they're interacting with end clients. And they were, uh, number one, pricing pressure. Number two, the plight mm-hmm. of getting paid in a reasonable time frame; Number three, the need for speed where you're speaking about this whole idea of um, uh, uh, quickened uh, customer service expectations or heightened uh, customer service expectations. And then, of course, the need for technology upgrades. Um, whether that was integrating with ERP systems or, or, um, uh, tweaking co- company store programs to suit the demands of the end client. Did you get the sense that these four issues or four themes applied to all distributors or were just, uh, uh applicable to just a certain tier of distributors? Like, let's say large distributors only, whereas the small to mid-sized distributors were not dealing with these issues as much.
1: Okay, right. I'll I'll just take them um, as you brought them up. Uh, pr- pricing pressure, a- absolutely everyone. I, I I and I think I even put it in the article. There's every everyone from literally a a a woman who's a solo distributor who who runs her um, her business out of her home in
3: Florida,
1: up to the largest distributors in the industry are are feeling pricing pressure to 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 some degree, um, and that's and and that goes back to a bit what I mentioned earlier the the e commerce model that's come into into play in our industry is basically the main the main driver of that pricing pressure and as you know, people could pop online search a a product that's similar or comparable to, you, to to what you may be proposing, and then come back with, can you match this? And that's that in its in its most basic form is is is, is something that that most are experiencing. I'd say everyone's experiencing um, to some extent. Um, the plight of getting paid. Now, what that focuses on that pertains more toward. Um, larger distributors who are dealing with um, big clients with with heavy spend who want who basically want to um, extend payment terms longer they want to make it you know 90 to 120 day terms or they want to do uh, they want to get a, a discount for paying in a shorter time frame larger distributors are feeling that more from from what I learned in my reporting however the, it does exist on, on, uh, our and medium sized distributors too. I, it just seemed to be more of an issue for, for larger distributors. And the, the need for speed, I think that's, that's, that's something everybody's, you know, even the, the, the smaller distributors, who, you know, their, their clients are accustomed, you know, they shop on Amazon too. As consumers, they shop um, online and they, that kind of fulfillment and, um, uh, being able to provide that quick fulfillment is 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 a is a major challenge right now. Um, and then for um, the updates required, in, in where customers are seeking more technologically advanced solutions from uh, distributors, that that seems to be something that larger distributors are are more focused. Smaller distributors um, are, are really not even in playing in that in that realm. Um, yeah, it's not right. to say that there's not ones out there who are to an extent, or, or I know of ones who are, but generally speaking, that's an issue that's, that that the larger distributors are, are, are dealing with
3: and, and trying to make a point of differentiation for themselves. Chris, as you were writing this article, you know you probably had some idea where this was going. Um, were there any surprises? What did you learn that you, you did not know after visiting with some of the distributors?
1: Well, you brought up the reverse auctions before, and I, and I guess this is a bit of my ignorance. I... I, I did not realize that that, that, that was going on, that, which is why I made it the, the lead of the article. Um, I, it just seemed like, wow, that's, that's just a horrible situation, you yeah. know, where, <laughs> um, where there, it's like, you're, you know, you at least give the distributor the chance to tell you what they're offering is. It was just all about, you know, price. Um, mm-hmm. so that was the, which we, we We are trying to differentiate ourselves on on service and creativity, and when you have no chance to bring that to bear that's 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 concerning and that's even a little frightening the that uh impressed me on a more maybe positive note is is um the level of sophistication that um some larger distributors are developing in terms of their their technological offerings, yeah. and what I mean by that is, is everything from you know the, their ERP systems that that they're building on the back end, you know, to integrate with their customers and to integrate with suppliers, so they can get solutions, you know, into uh, customers' hands faster, is very impressive. Um, there are some distributors doing. With data, data, um, you know, that, that that that's pretty impressive in the sense that they're they're, you know, um, I have one particular in mind, who um, platform where they essentially you can you can put in a customer profile in their platform and it'll it, it'll kind of spit back uh, solutions that other customers similar to that customer have have. So there's things like that going on in the industry that have like a high degree of technological sophistication that. I wasn't aware to the extent that that was happening, and and that was impressive in where things are going in the the years ahead, at least for larger distributors.
0: Chris, there's mention of a distributor uh, called A&P Master Images in your article, Um, Mm -hmm. uh, around a $2 million distributor that – Um, has differentiated themselves with great service, great creativity, great responsiveness and that has allowed them to grow and excel in this climate. And then I'm quoting here, um, but will delivering creative solutions and excellent service be enough to keep traditional distributors in the game over the long haul as younger buyers accustomed to doing everything online swell the corporate ranks? So my question is was this fear that younger buyers will demand more e-commerce and digital tools was this a common fear no matter who you interviewed
1: I would say among some it's it's a it's a quote fear it it is among some particularly some of the some of the smaller distributors they they just worried that they worry that um you know larger distributors will be able to adapt to that environment you know with tech with technology and that they'll kind of get pushed out of the game Um, As as a result, there was, among others, not so much a fear, but a healthy sense of this is happening and we need to adapt and we're trying to and we're trying to adapt to this uh, environment. So they were very very aware of it and trying to build solutions to to address what they believe is is the very, you know, real, I guess, reality, for lack of a better word, that younger buyers are, they're this accustomed to doing business and this is how they're going to kind of want to do business.
3: So right. on one side you had, he had. Alarm and panic and, and fear, and on the other side, you had folks that were conscientiously taking steps to resolve or combat the problem. Um, was there any general malaise about the threat? You know, it was
1: it was a bit more gray than that. Maybe I painted it in too, too stark terms. Like there, like even the ones who were quote you know a, a afraid of it you know um, are uh, were still trying to do things to to adapt to that environment, like yeah. build better relationships with their clients, et cetera. No one I spoke with was not aware of it. <laughs> and, um no everyone that I that yeah. I talked to felt that that this is a real thing and that it's um and that it'll probably accelerate. Uh, certainly as you have kids now who are in their, their teens and, and maybe just entering college, once they enter the workforce and get you know buying power over the next decade or so, um that, that will certainly be something that, that um when I say something I mean I mean the desire to interact digitally, um that, that that'll be something that increases.
0: Chris, uh, at the very end of your article, you you did a great uh, job of, of, or I suppose throughout the article, you did a great job of instilling a great sense of fear <laughs> uh, in, in people. But, but you also did a great job of offering solutions. So it wasn't fear mongering. Um, you 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 I, I think led the reader into four particular areas that they could focus on if they wanted to uh, ward off this particular or particular challenge, and they were. Um, Number one, integrate electronically. Number two, be more open and honest with uh, supply chain partners. Um, Number three, to collaborate on the core, whether that's collaborating with end clients or with suppliers in order to make the process more efficient. And then number four, making the most of suppliers' uh, expertise. Was there any one particular solution that struck you or the people you interviewed as the most critical?
1: If I had to pick one, that that everybody could kind of participate in and do to make the industry collectively better for it, where it would have the most effect on the on the most people. It would be more open um, and honest collaboration between suppliers. And um, how does that have a good effect? Well, if you have more open and honest um, collaboration, that can lead to some. Some of the technology solutions could kinda kind of flow out from that um in the sense where you can you you can integrate better say um between your systems so orders can flow um, more efficiently you can you can rely on supplier expertise more to um uh you know to help you as a distributor in 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 the selling process because you're not worried that they're trying to poach their clients and um I, I know some of that can sound like pie in the sky stuff to to people but um but it is but it is in speaking especially with suppliers something that they've been to doing and, and and wanting to do that they felt they could better support their distributor customers if they if, if the relationship was a little bit more open and honest and and integrated
0: right right were there other solutions beyond these four that did not make it into the article or for that matter any anything that you were uh, felt you had to exclude just by virtue of uh, space and time constraints
1: um there there was a couple of things just, just kind of through the, the the text of the article I'll I'll call attention to that I, I think were um you know probably had some relevance um w- one is that um if if you're dealing with, uh, um a lot of times especially when it's with larger clients that pressure is coming from uh, procurement but you might have a, a client on the inside there that um that wants to work with you that likes you and you kind of want to work to turn them into an advocate for you um you know with with their betters or with their or to kind of um, and, and to do that, you want to arm them with uh, the information of all the services that you're providing. That kind of just I don't want to say justify, but show why you know your, your right is because of all the value that 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 you are providing. So that was that was one tactic some distributors are taking that that seem to be. Um, it seemed to be working or even by that pricing pressure um a, a, another one that i liked and this is something that anybody could do this this was suggested to me by um uh, the same lady that i mentioned in uh ship down in uh florida and she she'll just she'll, she'll hear from customers you know hey i found this online can can you match it and she and she hears that often and what she'll do is she'll really take the time down the, the 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 cost of of the of the online competitor's offer and, and what she, that when she 's really analyzed it out and factored in shipping costs and you know what the client actually wants to do in terms of an embellishment um she 'll find that uh, her price is right around comparable if not better or only slightly more than um what the online competitor is offering and even if it is slightly more um the c- customer a lot of times will still go with her because they have the peace of mind of of knowing that she's going to take care of it. So that kind of analysis of the competitor's offer, it may sound simplistic, but I don't know if it's, if it's something everybody's doing.
0: Well, what's interesting about what you just said there, Chris, is that I feel that this sort of price comparison and price shopping has existed Mm -hmm. from the beginning of time, in the promotional products industry. I mean, across any industry. So you could look at this, say, um, Let's say 30 or 40 years ago. I'm not sure if I've got my timing right, but let's say uh, like that's when the direct mail order catalog houses came to to be in the promotional products industry, where you've got you know big big catalog companies that are now flooding the market with these catalogs and these too good to be true prices, and your client receives something in the mail with a flyer that's got uh, you know a, a leads item on it. Well, there's no question that that phone call would have happened in 1989 to a distributor from the end client that says, hey, I just got this thing from mail order company XYZ and their price is 99 cents on this pen, you're charging a buck 50, what can you do about it? And no question had we been having this podcast in 1989, that would have come up <laughs> and there would have been some kind mm-hmm. of solution on, well, sir or ma'am, let me tell you mm-hmm. how our price is, uh, or how that price is not necessarily the, uh, the what you think it is. And so I just think that that's interesting mm-hmm. that a lot of these themes of price matching and competition, I don't think are any different now than they were before. Maybe the difference is that it's just that much easier to find those different prices but but let's be let's not kid ourselves that this is not a new phenomenon in terms of how it is that we respond to price comparison.
1: I agree I don't I definitely don't think it's a, a new thing. I think your the a key point you made is that it's um is that the ease of access to those to those other yeah. things for uh, is 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 what makes the today's environment I think a little challenging is the right word, but it, it's mm-hmm. but, it, but it's it's a new dynamic, if you want to put it that way, that that you
3: have to that you have to address, right? Chris, the, considering these two articles back to back, the supplier squeeze article and the distributor squeeze article, where do these two topics fall on the scale of significance for the industry? It struck me, and I think it struck Mark, that these these two these two articles. Captured the essence of the biggest challenges that distributors and suppliers are facing. Was that the same kind of tone inside ASI as you were investigating and writing this these two articles?
1: First off, thank you, and and second off, yes, that's that's that was the intention was to kind of go to the to the heart of the matter, if you will, on um, the biggest issues that that are facing the industry right now, going forward. And um, you know, I think um, I think you know, you're at the trade shows, right? You guys are them all and, and we and these things are always always talked about right and you know um but, they're, but they've but they i don't know if they've ever necessarily been put down um before and kind of laid out like that and looked at and and for, reason, for that may be that people are afraid to talk about them or don't want to acknowledge them in a public forum but we kind of just we felt it was important not to you know certainly the intention wasn't to, to scare anybody but but to say hey these are things we we know we're all talking about, you know, with each other. You know, let's let's kind of put them down, see if there's potential solutions. It, with the idea being that, you know, light chases away darkness, right? Like if you if you if you look at them and you put a spotlight on them, we can start to find better solutions for them. And th- yeah. that was, you know, I guess the the hope, if you will, of the article that that it that it spurred better discussion about it, and that it um and that that this is maybe in its own very 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 small way help further the discussion towards solutions.
0: Chris, how many years have you been writing for ASI?
1: I'm in my uh, sixth year now, into my sixth.
0: Sixth year. Um, It's amazing how time Mm -hmm. flies, doesn't it? Because I know that you and I have certainly chatted about a number of um, uh, articles you've been working on over the years and
2: um, (laughs) and, and a a
0: big shout out to our listeners who haven't had the chance to read Chris's uh, work. Um, that is certainly um, certainly a fantastic uh, catalog of work that you've put out over the years. So congrats on that. Um, so well, thank you. in the last six years, so so we're obviously writing about you know this big tectonic shift, which is the internet, and mm-hmm. that and that's causing uh, lots of cause for concern. And there's obviously lots of cause for you know celebration in terms of like great opportunity, new business models that are being birthed because of this tectonic shift. When you think about all of your reporting in the last six years, can you compare, um, or can can you draw a line between the article that you just wrote right now to something maybe earlier on in your career that was of equal concern for the industry in terms of, you know, something that was going to, you know, potentially bring the industry down if we didn't respond? Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot with that question, but, you know, was it maybe economic six years ago or, you know, some other kind of technology trend or some sort of governmental, you know, challenge, because you guys are in the business of uncovering stories. And usually stories are connected to some kind of challenge, some sort of faux mm-hmm. <laughs> good versus evil type scenario. So I'm I'm curious of just going back into your history, um, whether you can, uh, you know draw a line between this article and other things that have uh, posed a threat to the industry
1: all those things that you mentioned w- whether it was you know the quote uh, great recession of a few years ago to different you know like the governmental cl- clampdown here on um you know on pharma those 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 were all um significant right um i i, I don't I, I don't think i've personally um written one or written an article that addressed what were some of the like just fundamental challenges that the industry is facing quite quite like this one um, I will say that there's been smaller scale articles over the years that have kind of touched on these issues to an extent, in, you know, individually, but but this, one, this was one where we kind of put the eggs in a basket, so to speak, and, and,
3: and looked at them. Chris, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We really appreciate your insight. And the story behind the story is always fascinating, especially when you consider that there might have been constraints in terms of what all you wanted to share, but it's been insightful. And I think it's, it was an excellent article. It, it was also very encouraging to me as you talked about how positively distributors were approaching the challenge by trying to combat it with solutions. And I think that's an encouraging thing. I think we should all take encouragement from that. But take, thanks for writing a great article. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today,
1: Bobby. Thank you, thank you so much. And I'll just add one more point, if I can, yes, to you I know you're probably sick of hearing me talk. Not at all. But um, just to just to your just to your point about um, positive things, I, I, I would definitely want to emphasize, emphasize that 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 there is not, um, despite these challenges, there is not a sense of oh, this is the end, and we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're dwindling on down here in the final days of promo. I mean, that's that's not the case at all, and and there's certainly everyone from the from the small distributor up to the largest is is doing something to try to r- r- remain agile and competitive, and I and I think that the that that ultimately smart ones, the savvy ones who adapt with the times uh, will, whether that's a distributor who's going to develop a great e-commerce platform or that's a you know a small distributor who's going to just. It, it, intensify rock-solid relationships
3: with clients, I I, I think there's there's a future for everyone and certainly for the industry. Insightful and spot-on way to end this podcast. Thank you, Chris, for your time. All right. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Skewcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to Skewcast on iTunes or to our blog at .com com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening.